Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union label. And to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Well, not quite. Not Alan Nathan. Karen Cataline, but happy to be part of the team. Uh, Alan Nathan is on assignment. As you know, he's working on his book. And it takes a long time to write a book. I wrote one a long time ago, and it is a lot of work, lots of time. Um, As promised, uh, I was teasing that I would have some comments. And and this is uh, a little personal, but I saw some relevance. So it's not that personal. And I thought I would share it. So my husband and I went on a little weekend trip to uh, fish. And it was great. We went to the coast and we we did a little bit of fishing on the shore. We didn't do a, a deep sea fishing trip, which we've sometimes done on party boats. You know, um, various places have party boats for uh, deep sea fishing and they do everything. I mean, they give you the pole and everything else. And it's way a lot of fun to do that. So we fished on the shore and we were extremely concerned as well. We should be as uh, uh, responsible citizens. We got our fishing license and then we went, we found a place. Oddly enough, this was in a very un. Uh, uncommercialized area. It was so funny. It was on a shore behind a McDonald's. (laughs) I'm telling you, I mean, it's not a very, very commercial area of coastline. And, um, and we wanted to consult to make sure that what size fish should we uh, keep and which should we throw back? We caught a couple of little ones little kinds of fish. And we said, well, no, those are too small. And uh, we asked somebody, now we went a lot of trouble to ask somebody, okay, what is the state gaming uh, regulations for how large a certain fish, and they have pictures. It's very involved and very clear what the rules are. Law-abiding citizens want to pay attention to the rules. And as we were consulting whether something was a keeper and how many inches it had to be, I am not suggesting people are fish now, but it is interesting that a government uh, goes to the trouble to make sure that there's enough fish for everybody and that we don't take little baby fish out of the water so that there will be fish for all. A little bit of structure and control is very important. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Well, Uh, As of last week, we have a completely porous open border. The government has opened the floodgates of immigration. They have deferred their responsibility of deciding uh, who should be here and who shouldn't for the sake of the people of all races, colors, and creeds who are already here trying to make a living, uh, getting a job, um, 
using resources. There is not a country that I know of in the world that doesn't believe it is their right to decide who comes into their country who are not citizens. We have a government now that is supporting illegal, unfettered immigration, and yet some governments go to more trouble to decide what size fish you can bring in out of the water. But if you're bringing in uh, uh, unfettered drug trafficking, sexual trafficking of minors, children who shouldn't be taken out of the water or away from their country, but yet are used as political pawns in this government, that, my friends, is okay. Think about it. I think you have. There you go. That's as much as I will say about that. In my former hometown, home state of Colorado, uh, and my home, my I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado, but I no longer live there. Uh, somebody sent me this from CU in Boulder. Boulder's a lot like uh, Berkeley, California, as liberal and leftist and radical as you can get. Somebody sent me this headline. Usually it's safe to use they, them, theirs pronouns unless that person tells you otherwise. So there, uh, this article says that CU Boulder, which is just like California at Berkeley, wants everyone to assume someone is trans unless they're told differently. That's what this article was about. Now, we can laugh, we can mock, we can say, boy, is that stupid. But I've taken the time to analyze exactly what that does and why this is happening. It places conformity of language and social acceptance highest on the hierarchy of needs. No longer do you get to decide yourself what is reality and what is not, they'll tell you. It demands that the environment bend to the trend, and and so certain protective groups like socialists, like certain victim groups, can uh, be thought of as more important than other groups. If if Catholics and Christians, like we heard last hour, wanted to be referred to as I don't know, they don't they don't ask. Uh, I don't think the radical left would want to uh, uh, cooperate. Because individuals do not demand that the the rest of the world cleave to their needs. But it's worse than that. It trains us all in the public use of mass psychosis, complete with social pressure, extreme pressure for nonconformity, much like was used in the uh, trial effort to make everybody wear masks and look like they're living in the Middle East with burkas, right? So everybody felt uh, uh, were supposed to feel morally superior for putting a rag on their face rather than paying attention to the common sense or even wanting to show their face in public. This is a way of subjugating the public. This is a way of 
of subjugating individuality. Do you think that I'm overreacting? No, I am not. Because never in the history of the world or, or, or this country have we been told that these are the words we must use, right? I'm going to read you the beginning of this article. Colorado's top public university says that people should address new acquaintances as transgender until otherwise instructed. So now transgender isn't just we want you to, we, we want to force you to accept them, but no, they're superior. So unless you are otherwise instructed to do so, uh, and that ignoring someone's pronouns, oh, get this, this is beautiful. Ignoring someone's pronouns is now thought as an act of violence. Now, the radical left will not acknowledge actual acts of violence when they're done by certain groups, but they will consider certain words or the lack of the use of words as an act of violence. You see how that works? That's how it works. Quote, further on, it is never safe to assume someone's gender and living a life where people will naturally assume the correct pronouns for you is a privilege that not everyone experiences. You see how they pit people against each other. But the most important thing is that all of this insanity teaches you, forces you, doesn't just teach you, to ignore your common sense and certainly your sense of truth, falsehood, good, evil. It tells you you should play our social game regardless of your moral or otherwise um, objection to it. In fact, we'll tell you what's evil and what's good. We'll tell you what's truth and what isn't truth. Are you doubting us? That's evil. Ignore those doubts or we're going to punish you. There's something this resembles. It's called communism. All right. I'm old enough to remember when communism was considered an evil. And it is because it uses force to, to shame, prosecute, persecute anybody who dares to disagree with the public government orthodoxy. Is that really what we want for the United States of America? No, most people don't, but it's being forced upon us. Well, that's my rant for today. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, about emission standards, see? And the, the show and the game goes on. Karen Catalina, you're filling in. I'm filling in for Alan Nathan here on the Main Street Radio Network. Stay tuned. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. 
That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. With more than 20 years as a professional celebrity hairstylist, Takesha Sturdivant-Drew is ready to share her tips on how to properly manage textured hair. According to Takesha, shampooing and conditioning textured hair just isn't enough. Detangling hair should be a regular part of your hair care regimen, as textured hair is weakest when wet and more prone to breakage. Takesha recommends using a new hair care product called the Miracle Detangler by Gold Series from Pantene, which is specially designed for women with curly and coily hair. Celebrity stylist Takesha Sturdivant Drew. Detangling is an important part of your hair care routine, especially for women with curly hair. I recommend Miracle Detangler by Gold Series from Pantene because every bottle is infused with argan oil, which helps detangle and soften curls. It removes knots for easier combing and leaving hair looking healthy and hydrated. When you use Miracle Detangler in the shower, the detangling time gets cut in half so you can get on with your day. To learn more, visit Pantene.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night... And every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, and uh, I do believe we have our guest online, on the line. Um, and, and I mentioned that we were going to talk about the emission standards that Congress is pushing on all of us. Hmm, you think they don't want us driving cars? I wonder. Well, Donna Jackson joins us right now, Director of Membership Development at the National Center for Public Policy Research's Project 21. Love those guys. She's worked 
with, um, on political campaigns in Arkansas and worked as a de deputy controller for the Export-Import Bank of the United States in addition to her private sector accounting work. Donna, thank you so much for joining us here on The Alan Nathan Show. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yes, it is. We love your, I love your organization, Project 21. Uh, very important to speak out and to show a little dissent. That's what seems to be dying these days. Um, so people kind of laugh at California and, they say, and they're ruining the trucking industry. They're ruining the cars. They're ruining transportation. But now something is going on with Congress itself. Tell us what's going on with emission standards there. You know, uh, well, this is really the EPA's, uh, uh, their their effort to uh, enact go government overreach for really uh, regulatory responsibility that they don't have. They're proposing this new emission standard that will make it impossible for a gas-powered car to actually meet that. So the only thing you could do is produce an a, a electric car. And this is so terrible. I mean, they think that we're too stupid to make our own choices, and so they have to make choices for us. The one thing that I pointed out to them is this actually harms black people on two continents, in the African nation of Congo and in the United States. 75% of all the world's cobalt for rechargeable EV batteries is located in the Congo. And right now... They're using black slave and child labor to mine the minerals. It's well documented that the conditions in, in the uh, mines are deplorable. And this oh. will make it exponentially worse. Actually, a lot of people said that the conditions is worse than during the slave trade here. And, you know, this is, this is the equivalent of the cotton gin. But, you know, uh, uh, not only that, it's also bad for black Americans here because it's, it's really going to create an economic hardship and, a, and a, a serious decline in standards, not just for black Americans. I want to point this out. All of Americans, they actually are going to force people into having only one, I mean, uh, they're going to force people into having something that they can't afford. And the overall goal really is to take away private car ownership from every Americans. You know, electric vehicles are more expensive to start with. We don't have the electric grid to be able to uh, sustain or even use that. We've seen it in California. You know, there's that saying, as California goes, so does the rest of the country. Well, remember, everybody's leaving California, and so what are they going to do? <laughs> They're actually going yeah, to God forbid. Here. Yes, yeah. I mean, all the billionaires are already all the millionaires, billionaires. They're leaving the state, and then Biden is more aggressive than California. When you think about the fact that EV vehicles are so expensive that most households can't afford it, and especially Black Americans. You know, we have more single-parent households, lower median incomes, higher poverty rates. You know, and, and even the average American, I mean, whether you're talking about white Americans, black Americans, the median income, household incomes for black Americans is like $45,000 a year. That's pre-tax. 
Uh-huh. For white Americans, it's 71,000. Asian Americans, 101. EV vehicles require at least $110,000. Only 6% of Americans actually drive electric vehicles here. And worldwide, it's only 2.2%. The American But there's population- a reason for that. There's a reason for that. I... I am so glad that you mentioned what their true end game is, which we'll get to in a moment. But my husband is in the transportation industry and is astonished, not so astonished because we see what's happening, that in the hurricanes of Florida, electric vehicles actually went on fire and melted down to a molten bunch of steel. Because let's see, electricity and water don't mix. Don't mix. If you, I mean, and and so with that in mind, we are living in times when what these dictators tell us is their reasoning for forcing things upon us is not really the reason. Oh. Uh, so please talk about that from that perspective because that is what people. I hope and I know they're figuring out what they tell us is their motive and their true end game is not really their motive and their true end game. No, it's not. You know, the real greenies, they actually want, they don't want negative population growth. They want to depopulate the earth. And the way they want to do that is lowering the standard of living so slow that it actually shortens the mortality rates for human beings. That's their end goal. And so what they're trying to do is make sure they take away everything that gives you longevity. You know, they're they're creating shortages on farms. They're trying to create artificial scarcity with most of the goods and services that we need. So we go without. Every time you have a population growth, it comes from innovation, either farming uh, homes in your in your standards of living, but you depopulate the earth when you actually create a uh, decline in those standards mm-hmm. of living. And so that's their real goal. They want to force people into urban, overcrowded areas where you have to rely on public transportation. And re- people should remember this. During the COVID pandemic, African-Americans had a higher rate of infection and death. Why? Because they were using public transportation, because they were crowded in urban communities. And that's what they're trying to do to us now. Their end goal, actually, they know that you're not, uh, EV vehicles are not suitable for most people's lifestyle. But yeah. they want to force people into it so that they actually don't have a means of transportation. Because transportation yeah. is what gives us freedom. That's it. That is, is it exactly, is that we will all be dependent on public transportation and we will not have any personal mobility. That was the explosion in personal freedom in America was the advent of the car. You exactly. just write on the money. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, I wish I could keep going with you, but I can't. Tell everybody how they can find you at Project 21. Donna Jackson. You can you can find us at thenationalcenter.org. Project 21 at thenationalcenter.org. Wow, that was quick. 
Thank you so much, Donna. Keep up the great work. We appreciate you. Well, we're going to move right along here, and uh, we got a tremendous guest next. We'll have him when we come back. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show on the Main Street Radio Network. Stay tuned. New York Times bestselling author Terry Liebenson introduces the latest installment in her popular Emmy and Friends children's book series. The funny and heartfelt new story, Surprisingly Sarah, the seventh title in the Emmy and Friends series, lets young readers choose between two separate storylines. Sarah and Leo have been BFFs since they were little. They share everything until Sarah starts crushing on Leo's friend Ben. Then one day, Sarah is suddenly faced with a big choice. Ask Ben to the school dance or chicken out. Best-selling author and cartoonist of the award-winning syndicated comic strip The Pajama Diaries, Terry Liebenson. Surprisingly, Sarah deals with the secrets and surprises that middle school often brings. In this case, Sarah is faced with a choice that'll put her friendship with Leo to the test. I hope kids enjoy putting themselves in Sarah's shoes and discovering how their choices can affect others. The new children's book, Surprisingly, Sarah, is now available wherever books are sold. Catherine Applegate's beloved modern classic, The One and Only Ivan, about a very special gorilla, won several awards and was adapted into a hit movie on Disney+. A best-selling sequel, The One and Only Bob, followed the adventures of Ivan's friend Bob, a lovable dog. Now the story continues with The One and Only Ruby, starring an adorable baby elephant. In the new book, Ruby is living peacefully in a wildlife sanctuary. When she receives a visit from the orphanage caretaker in Africa where she grew up, memories, both happy and sad, come rushing back about her life before the circus. Recounting her story for Ivan and Bob, Ruby traces the events that brought her from her African savanna home to the sanctuary. Author Catherine Applegate. While I hope Ruby's early memories will encourage readers to think about the dangers that elephants face, things like poaching and climate change, The One and Only Ruby is ultimately an uplifting, hopeful story that celebrates the joy of friendship. The One and Only Ruby is now available wherever books are sold. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. 
Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Ellen Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, and you're listening to the Main Street Radio Network here. Um, such an honor to have our next guest, U.S. Army retired Lieutenant Colonel Charles Faint joins us in just a moment. He serves as chair of the study of special operations in the Modern War Institute at West Point and contributes to the Epic Times Battlefields Project. Thank you so much for your service to our country, Lieutenant Colonel Charles, Charles Faint. Hey, Karen, thanks so much for that very kind intro, and thanks for having me on the show. Well, we certainly appreciate you. And, uh, you know, going back to the basics includes going back to the basics and thanking our veterans and those who uh, have protected our country. Um, You have, uh, uh, we love the Epic Times on my program and Alan Nathan's program. You you have something called Battlefield Stories, Mm -hmm written by military veterans and first responders. That sounds just fascinating. Tell us about it. Sure thing. So I've owned a blog called The Havoc Journal for a number of years, about 10 years now. And I got started in that. My friend named Marty Scovelin, who's a former Ranger Regiment veteran, started the program and asked me to be the editor. And then eventually I ended up taking it over. And what we found is just the therapeutic value that's inherent in veterans telling their story to see your story in print and share it with other people. And we got so much great feedback on it. Eventually Epoch Times approached us through another mutual friend and said, said, Hey, will you consider doing this battlefields project with us to get the word out about what the veterans and first responders and their their family members and communities are doing? It's been great so far. We got a lot of content that we originally published in the Havoc Journal. Epoch Times gave us a much, much bigger platform to run it. And it's been great so far with these stories and podcasts, Karen. You know, um, I'm reminded as a person who my father was a veteran, may he rest in peace, but uh, I obviously, (laughs) well, I don't know if it's obvious, am not. And I always remember that in World War II and in in many foreign wars, especially if people had traumatic experiences, and many of them have, that the 
this, I guess the stereotype is that veterans don't want to tell their stories. So the fact that you're offering, because, you know, they, they, they believe, you know, you don't toot your own horn and you don't talk really personally. You're giving voices to our veterans and we need to hear their stories. Can you give us an example of one of the stories that you've made uh, public for people so we can be inspired too? Oh, sure. And you're absolutely right. And, and veterans tend to want to be modest, especially ones that serve the special operations community like I had some of the other did for so long. But I think one way to approach it, certainly something that helped me, is that this helps out other people. Yes, it's therapeutic for you, but yes. this is something that someone else can take a lesson from. And whatever experience you're, you're, you had in the military or about the military or law enforcement, someone else had that experience and has trouble processing it. So this is a way to help other people in addition to helping yourself. And the first article that I wrote that popped into mind is the one I I wrote right after Afghanistan fell. And I called it Afghanistan soundtrack to a war that I lost because one of the reasons I I retired when I did was, was the way that Afghanistan ended. I served there four times. I I had very safe jobs in Afghanistan with very special operations units. I, I was an intel officer, so I wasn't out kicking the doors and I was helping the good guys find the bad guys. Uh-huh. But for, for me, it, it was just, it was good to just get that down on paper and share the way that that felt to me personally. Yeah. Well, and um, it's funny, I don't usually mention that I'm, I used to be a social worker among other things. And if I didn't believe that it was helpful either therapeutic or otherwise, to share one's story, you know, I wouldn't have gone into that field, among others. In this case, however, it does an extra special public service to the rest of us, not only helping us and everyone understand uh, what servicemen go through, but what they have to teach us and the bravery and the courage that they've shown to stand up for our country. Um, uh, talk about that a little more. First off, where do we, where do we go to see those stories? They're, they're in the Epoch Times, right? Absolutely. So anyone who wants to check out the Battlefields Project, they can go to Epoch Times and open the, their masthead, click on the main link, and down in the bottom right, there's a specific link for the Battlefields podcast. You can also get very similar content on our partner blog, Havoc Journal, H-A-B-O-K, Havoc with a K, and they can see that first responder and veteran content there. But I was thinking about what you said earlier, Karen, about the World War II veterans. And one of the reasons that's important to tell these stories now is because there are so comparatively few veterans in the population compared to World War II. Of course, World War II, you had mass mobilization, you had the draft. We haven't had the draft since Vietnam. And so few people have served or even know someone that serves that the, the wars that we're asked to fight aren't real to most people. And that was certainly my experience when I went to grad school. I, I went back to school as a 40-year-old seven-tour combat veteran and went to a very, a very liberal graduate school. And it, it was mind-blowing to me that I, I was not only one of the only veterans in my program, most of the people that I was in there with who were all great people had never met a vet. And these are the types of people who are going to go out that? and lead the world and make the decisions that send me and my daughter, my oldest daughter, wants to join the Army. Hmm. And my wife was in for 10 years, and both, both my grandparents, <laughs> my dad, et cetera, et cetera, they send us to war but don't understand the warriors. And that's something that we're helping hmm. to, to remedy. 
Yes. Now, is your story a part of this? Are you going to tell, and you can't tell all your story, but you can tell <laughs> highlights, or are you going to write a memoir? Because now you've got us all curious about you. <laughs> well, I'm probably the least interesting person that, that's associated with either Have a Journal or the Epoch Times, but my friend Iman Cassell, who's extremely interesting, just published a, well, we helped him publish a book called The Resolute Path. It's the story of him being born in Lebanon and living in Africa and escaping the civil wars in both those countries, coming to America, serving in Iraq as a translator because he speaks Arabic as a native speaker and is now a police officer up in Massachusetts. So I think he's a, he's a much more interesting person to, to talk about and to tell their story, and people can find his book on Amazon, Resolute Path. Uh, say that one more time, Resolute Path? Is that Resolute, what it's called? Yep, Resolute, The Resolute Path by Ayman Cassell, K-A-S-E-L. And it's a that? collection of, of his stories and his, and his uh, experiences as both a law enforcement officer and a member of the military. It's fascinating reading. Huh, I'm glad that you gave us that recommendation. Now, um, in the current situation, and you are retired, so yeah. hopefully you can give your opinion. Now, as Last I checked, that's still legal, but I'm really not sure. Um, your friend who wrote that book must yeah. have, and, and you can comment if you'd like, on this this woke attack not only on the military, but your friend became a police officer, which many, many police officers are former military. And yeah. so they go from, I don't know about the frying pan into the fire or the fire into the frying pan, in which uh, law enforcement, peace officers, military seem to be under attack in this country from within. Would you, would you care to comment on that a little bit? Well, I think... I, first of all, I think that's accurate. I, I don't understand all the reasoning behind it. It's, it's some of the things that I need to find out about now that I'm retired and paid a little more attention to it. I do think it's one of the reasons that we're experiencing such a problem with recruiting. We we can see that right now with the, my branch, the, my former branch, the Army, I experienced something like a third shortage in recruiting. And I think definitely that has a lot to do with it. I mentioned earlier one of the reasons I retired when I did was the way that Afghanistan ended, and that was certainly a political decision. So that Horrific. is definitely a, definitely a problem. Yeah, and so you were serving in the military when Afghanistan, the most recent debacle, actually happened? Yes, I was. I mean, I wasn't in Afghanistan. I was, I was teaching at West Point when it happened, and that was huh. kind of – that wasn't the only reason I decided to retire when I did, but that was the final – Final reason. I, I just I, I didn't feel like I could do it anymore. Army was great to me. West Point was great to me. I'm very grateful for 27 years, but it was time for me to, to try to do something else. Colonel, when you said this, you there's something you said with which I vociferously disagree. You said your life is boring, <laughs> and you said you have nothing to share. Having just watched that from the perspective of West Point, it so happens, you know, I told our listeners that I went on a, a little trip over the weekend with my dear husband, and there is a memorial to Afghanistan in the coastal city, doggone, we're running out of time, that that, that woman has in front of her house, and it has stood since that happened, I would encourage wow. you to please 
write your story. It's important. Uh, thank you for joining us. And once again, thank you for your service. Wish we had more time. Thank you, Karen. Take care. Well, we've got one more guest, someone we've had before. We've got to talk a little more about energy. We will be back on the Ellen Nathan Show right after this. Don't go away. From 12-year-old trans activist Kai Shapley comes a timely and inspirational story about living life to the fullest. Inspired by Shapley's own life, the new middle-grade novel Joy to the World is a story about courage, resilience, and celebrating trans joy. In the book, Joy, a 12-year-old trans girl, moves to Texas with her mother and older brother. Her family has accepted Joy as the girl she is, leaving Joy to explore her love of sports, teamwork, and competition. But when she's kicked off the cheerleading team, Joy fights for her right to cheer. As her battle with the school board escalates, Joy attracts support from kids around the country, as well as her hero, trans activist Kai Shapley. Author and activist Kai Shapley. Since I was in kindergarten, I've been standing up for trans kids against people who are trying to take away our rights. I wanted to write a book about a girl just like me, who is determined to continue doing what she loves and who wants to live her life with joy. Joy to the World is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, sponsored by Coca-Cola. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? 
or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back to the Ellen Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline, and this is our final segment. So thank you to James, Joseph, Alan, Jane, and everyone at the Main Street Radio Network. If you'd like to uh, visit and get the archives, you can always go to www.mainstreetradionetwork.com. Well, joining us for this last segment is conservative commentator, former Deputy Attorney General for the Commonwealth of Virginia and author of Revolution, A Call to Turn Back the Lawless Left and Restore the Promise of America. Kennerly Davis, or Ken, known as Ken Davis, joins us right now on the Alan Nathan Show. Karen, so good to be with you. Good to have you as well. Well, we want to talk about the EPA's new rule to destabilize energy, but then I want to leave, because we don't have much time, but I want to leave time for you to talk about and leave us with something positive, because boy, oh boy, it's preciously difficult these days to find things that are positive, but we must, and talk about your book, A Call to the Turn the Turn Back the Lawless Left. Boy, isn't that what we want to do, who just want to live our lives in peace and be left alone? Talk about the EPA's new rule first, and then we'll move on to that. Well, thank you. There is um, a lot that needs attention regarding this new rule. You know, since he took the oath of office, uh, Biden and uh, all the radical environmentalists who call the shots in his administration have been waging an all out war uh, through all the agencies, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, the Department of Energy, and and now the EPA, an all-out war against uh, all forms of fossil fuels and all uh, uses. And recently, the EPA uh, proposed new smokestack emission limits, carbon dioxide, you know, that gas that's essential for plant growth yeah, and that gas, exactly. that gas that we exhale every uh-huh. um, few seconds. 
um, limits on carbon dioxide emissions that are so drastic, um, so stringent, and so expensive, and so and and based essentially on technology that does not exist. So the practical impact of these uh, rules and uh, the requirements for emission control technology, it's going to force the premature retirement of hundreds of natural gas and uh, coal-fired power plants that are the dependable backbone of the nation's electric grid and are essential to um, the continued supply of dependable, um, reliable energy. So it's yeah. it's really, really going to create tremendous reliability problems. Yes, and we know with everything else they've done that this is exactly what they want. I don't mean to be flippant, but it's a perfect example of one assault on our liberty and our country affecting another. Uh, We all breathe out carbon dioxide and they want to reduce it. So I don't know. Does that mean they don't want us breathing anymore? Well, there's certainly a, um, a, uh, a group, a subgroup of environmental radicals who um, look at the world and the population and all the striving and productive activity, and they don't like it. Uh, they would like uh, uh, the population to decline. Um, they, mm-hmm. would like, they would like uh, economic development to, to uh, stop. And so you see the depopulation movement and the degrowth movements of radical environmentalists who would like um, everything to be uh, rewilded, they say, uh-huh. and uh, pretty much empty of people. Rewilded? Empty. That's a word? Rewilded. Rewild? Yes, yes. What does that mean, rewild? I've never even heard of it. Yeah. They love making up new words, you know. They sure do. Well, in uh, Holland, for example, uh, this is uh, because this is not um, uh, a a movement or a problem that is limited to the United States. There's a big push to um, uh, for the government to forcibly buy out farms and shut them down and turn them into forest and 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 um, unused meadows. Constant but, um, control manipulation in the service of, well, Marxism, socialism, yeah. centralized control. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I just yeah, got to just call it like I seize it. Um, I'm sorry to, but I want to take the last couple minutes of this show. And you have a big job. <laughs> and that is you have a very optimistic title of your book. Revolution, a call to turn back the lawless left and restore the promise of America. Boy, if that isn't what a whole bunch of everyday people want, how do we do it? Please encourage us. Well, the the good news is, like Reagan used to say, that things are not nearly so complicated as we sometimes think. They may be difficult and challenging, but they're not complicated. And we have the answer. We've had the answer since 1776 in the principles articulated in the Declaration of Independence 
specifically the second paragraph and the structure of the Constitution that was written uh, just the way it was in order to protect the natural rights that need to be respected and protected by the government and not uh, abridged like it does. And so we just need to get back to the principles of our founding and um, assert them in every opportunity, every school board meeting, every local election, uh, questions to candidates who are looking for our money and our votes, and, and become reacquainted with the wonderful principles and institutions that uh, if we can revitalize them, will in fact restore the promise of America. I have no doubt about that, Kennerly Davis. What I have a problem with, and I've probably used this little slogan I made up uh, with you, the uh, arsonists are in charge of the fire brigade. So when we appeal to those to vote in the Constitution, and they're making active efforts to dismantle it, what's your thought as to what we can do then? And then we gotta we got to shove off. <laughs> well, you, uh, there are needles in the haystack. There are candidates. There are public officials. There are uh, writers and commentators like yourself. Um, and we just need to stick together and keep at it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Kennerly Davis, uh, look for his book, Revolution. That does it for this edition of The Alan Nathan Show. Thanks for staying with us and uh, speak up, stand up, and don't give up. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.